All right, we're back. Thanks for tuning in. You are listening to the Drew Marshall Show. Right now, it's time for a WTF segment. That's called Where's the Faith? And uh, that is where we are joined by a variety of religion reporters throughout the year from an assortment of news outlets. And we catch up in the happenings in the world of religion and faith and cults. Oh, my. Sorry, I couldn't find the dot. Oh, my. I couldn't find, I couldn't the, find the dot. dot. <laughs> <laughs> what things are never said in Brampton? <laughs> oh, buddy. You're going to get me fired. No. That's uh, just being silly. Yes. Hey, uh, Manya Brashear Pashman, you got to have three names to be a religion reporter. She is with the Chicago Tribune, but she's also the president of the Religion News Association. She's been on hold for about 43 minutes, and let's hope she's still there. Manya, hi, Manya. Hello, Drew. How are you? I'm quite well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a long time. It has been a very long time. You know, I'm adopted, right? So stop rejecting me so much, please. <laughs> It's not you, it's me, Drew. Oh, you know, that's, I've heard that my entire life. My entire life. It's not you, it's me. Um, Listen, some huge things in the news. And I want to start off with, of course, this big shooting in Texas at the church. Mm -hmm. And I, I saw a picture of like an entire family of, it was like seven, I think, six or seven. They were all killed. As this guy came in and, and uh, shot up everybody in the church, and and then I watched the pastor of the church uh, doing news conferences, and he I don't know something just didn't seem right. If my fourteen year old daughter was gunned down in my church, I'm not sure I could stand there and go and just be all, well, the you know the Lord's plans are bigger than ours, I, you know that kind of stuff. Ugh. Anyway. Well, you don't really know what you would do, right, if your 14-year-old daughter was shot dead um, in the place that you've, you know, taught her is the safest place on earth, right? Yeah. And you just, I, I don't know what I would do <laughs> in that situation. So, so what are churches What are churches doing? I mean, I, I know that there was some, when I, I used to hang around a fair bit with Rick Warren in the church, and I knew that there were some plain clothes type people that walked around strapped, mm-hmm. uh, hanging around Rick. And uh, I'm assuming that is church security is going to go crazy now, even more so than usual. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it just it depends on what size your congregation is. In many denominations, um, especially synagogues, um, church security or you know house of worship security has always been uh, on a, a priority. Um, but I think you're going to see it made more of a priority from small congregations to megachurches, um, especially as these continue to, to unfold, um, and uh, nothing really changes policy-wise. So, yes, I mean, there are church security firms popping up um, to provide help, and that can be anywhere from armed bodyguards and security guards to training um, and I'll tell you, you know, when you walk into, uh, you know, I, I was, I walked into Willow Creek Community Church several weeks ago for a story, uh, one Saturday night, and I didn't see any security at all. Um, but it was there. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, that's, that's really the key. I mean, houses of worship have to strike this balance between welcoming people, um, you know, fulfilling their mission of evangeliz- evangelizing and welcoming the stranger and then keeping everybody safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a, it's a tricky, it's a tricky business, um, but they do it. And I think it's, you know, it's a combination of almost a combination of hospitality, um, you know, those greeters and ushers that welcome you at the door. Um, but those ushers and greeters being trained in 
whatever it takes, be it martial arts or, I don't yeah. know, firearms, it depends. Yeah. But they are, you know, I, 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 had, I learned after that in my reporting after the Texas shooting that I was being vetted the moment I walked in the door. And in fact, I was probably being vetted the moment I parked my car in the parking lot. Hmm. <laughs> um, there were cameras trained on me. There were, likely, um, there were cameras trained on me, security guards, parking lot attendants, keeping a close eye on everybody who parked their car. And they're watching people walk across that massive parking lot and into their doors and then into the sanctuary. They're watching and looking for clues that they've been trained to look for. So I, I think that, that we're going to see a lot more of that and a lot more of that training. Incredible. How, Just an incredible thing. How about the church push for the idea of, you know, that Prince of Peace vibe, you know, a blessed are the peacemakers you know, what, turning what, what, swords into plowshares. Like, wh- instead of getting all hyped up in security, maybe the church should do what it should do and push for gun control. Oh, I see where you're. I was wondering where you were going with that. That ain't never going to happen in the United States of America, Tim. It's happening. I, I will say it, it is happening. Um, certainly in the Archdiocese of Chicago, um, there was a huge flap when the uh, Cardinal, Cardinal Blaise Supic, actually you know, say no firearms. We, you cannot bring a firearm into our churches, and we're going to put signs up to say so. And there were some priests who were actually really active hunters <laughs> um, who said, that's, you know, that's wrong. You can't, we, we don't necessarily agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Cardinal said, too bad. I mean, that this is what we stand for, and we're taking a very uh, you know, vocal stance against gun violence in Chicago. So, you know, Catholic churches, for example, are going to have to find a different way uh, to keep safe um, because firearms are simply not allowed. Well, um, here's the thing. Uh, I am far less concerned about terrorist groups, radical you know, Muslim terrorist groups or whatever names we're putting on them these days. I am far less concerned about those guys killing Americans than I am about Americans killing Americans. Yep. You guys are killing yourselves off left, right, and center. The, yeah. the the terrorists don't need to do a thing. They just need to sit back and watch you guys kill each other. Yeah. That, I mean, it's That's a, how I feel a as mosque, a Canadian. A local mosque here in Chicago was hosting um, a welcome event today, actually, to, uh, you know, promote peace and understanding. And somebody suggested, why don't we do a story since they're doing this clearly in response to the shootings? And I said, why would we do that? Because... The last couple shootings have been <laughs> uh, white males who had, who had yep. no connections to Muslim extremism. Yep. So, you know, that no. <laughs> okay, so from, <clears throat> from one goofy thing to another, let's talk about the Museum of the Bible. $500 million has been spent on the Museum of the Bible, and it just opened, uh, joining the Smithsonian and a host of other national monuments in Washington, D.C. So uh, is this something you think I may want to go to, Manya? Will I want to go to yes. the museum? Absolutely. If, if only for the virtual reality motion ride where you get sprayed with water. And, I mean, it's, 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 quite, it's, it's quite a production. You yes, mean they do like a mass blessing sprayed with water or a mass baptism oh. sprayed with water? Or is it like a, the parting of the Red Sea log ride or something? What is it? I think it's more the latter. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, although that would be pretty nifty if they mixed up a, uh, if they uh, made a combo blessing roller coaster ride. <laughs> yeah, that'd, be, that'd, that'd be pretty, pretty cool. Stand on the bridge <laughs> as the log comes down and baptizes you with the the holy water. Um, and but the personal Bibles of Billy Graham and Elvis beside each other. Yes. Come on. I know. I know. They've got they've got some really really cool artifacts there. Um, and it's it's not as as, is it as cheesy as, as the ark? Right 
I don't, you know, <laughs> I haven't been to either, to be perfectly okay. honest. I've only done a lot of reading about either. And I will say I am, I, I want to go to this museum more than I want to go see the art. Right. Well, right. maybe not. I, I kind of want to see those. But, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, I, uh, but I, I would like to see the ark float. <laughs> On what? Water. I'd like to see the ark. I'd like to see if it floats. I mean, they built this big ark. Maybe you had a particular body of water no, in mind. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Hey, uh, um, we can't move along here without talking about uh, the man who loves Jesus and teenage girls. So allegedly, allegedly, sorry, so allegedly, which which one is the alleged loving part, though? Yes, he allegedly loves Jesus, <laughs> Alabama's finest Roy Moore. So let's talk about uh, what's happening down there. And and I think, you know, we're always talking about the default of, well, false accusation, false accusation. And there seems to be a it's the floodgates have opened. Even uh, Star Trek guy has been uh, tattled on these days. George, what's his name? The Asian oh, George Takai. Yeah, uh, he's now in trouble. Uh, yes, for something that mm-hmm. was done four thousand years ago. So, well, I don't know, man. I don't. And, I, and by the way, can I just plead ignorance, Manya? I don't care about Roy Moore. I don't care about American politics. I don't care about cowboys loving Jesus. But the only reason I'm interested in this whole thing is because. What he was thirty-two, and in an interview, he he he's, who was it that it was John? No, who was it that interviewed him and said something like, "So, did you ever date fourteen, sixteen-year-old?" And he says, "Well, generally, I don't make a habit of it, or something like that." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, generally, Manu, would you generally. like to speak now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of enjoying your your oh, monologue. Oh my goodness! But and monologues are easy when it comes to this situation. I mean, it's pretty, um, it's really unbelievable. I don't know. Has the Me Too campaign taken on and taken off in Canada at all? Yes, it has. It has. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's it's really interesting that this you you nailed it. The floodgates open with Harvey uh, Weinstein. Everybody started, you know, finally coming forward, and I think that's a good thing that they were finally the women were finally coming forward about abuses they've suffered and um, harassment and assault. You, know, I, I do think that. Uh, but I, but I think it's interesting that the condemnation really happened very swiftly um, in a way that we did not see happen when the accusations came up uh, around Donald Trump um, before he was elected president. Um, there was not a swift response or reaction, and he was elected president. And so it was, it was encouraging to see the, the very swift response. And then Roy Moore was accused. And we, saw, we are seeing a very similar um, circling of the wagons. Uh, especially among white Christian evangelicals mm. around around Roy Moore. I mean, Jerry Falwell Jr., uh, president of Liberty University, a huge proponent and champion of Donald Trump. Um, you know, he's also come out and defended the judge who he believes, and so it's it's been very interesting. And it also mirrors polling results that came out around um, election time here in the United States, and that was. Uh, the Brookings Institution and the Public Religion Research, Research Institute did some polling. They did it, the same polling around 2011 when uh, Anthony Weiner um, was sexting all kinds of, of women and teenage girls, perhaps, I don't remember, but he was up to his shenanigans. And white Christian evangelicals were asked, can a politician overcome his moral failings and do his job? And about 30% said yes that he can. Fast forward, right before Donald Trump's election and all of those um, revelations were, were coming out, and white Christian evangelicals were asked the same question in the same poll, and about 72% said, oh yes, they, he can overcome hmm. moral failings, he or she. Um, and so, 
and and really the explanation is they wanted to make sure they had someone in the White House that that was pro-life, that supported the pro-life agenda, um, because that person they knew was probably going to have to appoint at least one Supreme Court justice, and you know would, would be setting the, the the agenda here in our country for abortion rights, and so. Jerry Falwell said the same um, when he was defending Roy Moore. Every vote in the Senate counts, and wow. we need someone pro-life. Wow. So it's really interesting what, what negotiations and bargaining. <laughs> I, I have never understood the, the sort of higher ground hypocrisy that you guys tend to cook up when it comes to politicians. We're, t- we're talking politicians, not preachers. And as long as things aren't illegal, okay, they maybe have done some dodgy thing back in their past, or I don't know. And, and is, I just think... The standards to which we hold politicians is is such a goofy, hypocritical ball of nonsense because they're politicians, they're not preachers. So why are we expecting them to have some high moral ground? When have you ever had those two things in the same sentence? Well, if they're a politician, then they've got to be a person of high moral... Really? Like really? To, like to me, it's like, yeah, sure. Like stop abortion, let the babies be born so we can molest them later when they're 14 or 15. <laughs> right? Wow. Like that's kind of an interesting contradiction as well. So it's not quite where I was going to. No, but, but uh, that, so that, that defending Roy Moore group. No, 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 no. Primarily because of that goofy cowboy hat he wears. But um, no, I just, I, I just think there's, we're, we're holding politicians to a, a high moral standard. And I ask why, why? Why not? Hmm. No, I'm asking why. I'm Your answer is why, why not? not. You're like my parents. Why can't I'm, I do I'm this? Because I said so. I'm being like the rabbi coming on later. I'm yeah, asking okay, the questions. Whatever, whatever. There's so many interesting stories that you guys uh, cover, that you cover, uh, and that's why it's a privilege, honestly, to have Manya Brashear Pashman on The Drew Marshall Show once every three months. Religion reporter for the Chicago Tribune and president of the Religion News Association. And one of these days, Manya, we have got to meet. One of these days we yeah. got to meet. Yeah, we do. We do. Maybe at a Religion News Association meeting. Yeah, that'll never happen. No, no, no. Maybe in Toronto. Well, if you, yeah. if you come to Toronto, I will buy you an ice cream cone from Chapman's. Manya, we care about you deeply, and we, and we won't speak to you before Christmas, so uh, sh- um, happy Hanukkah. Thank you. Happy Hanukkah. That to you, too. Okay, all right. Thanks, Putin. Take care. (laughs) Take care. Bye, Manya.